ABC Radio Australia. Our movement is building to reclaim women's ancestral knowledge and it's changing our understanding of what spirituality means in the modern Pacific. Someone doing just that is Carlo Miller, a poet from Tonga and the program director of Mana Moana, a leadership program that harnesses indigenous language and ancestral knowledge. She was raised a Methodist in Aotearoa and went through her education at a time when there was a Maori indigenous renaissance. My understandings of indigenous spirituality and what that could look like is grounded in what I've seen from Māori here. When I went to work in Tonga as a young teacher, I had some experiences and encounters that would be considered otherworldly. I had an experience that we might refer to as pukitevolo, whereby I saw things that no one else could see. I could hear things. An easy way of describing it is that I was just in another realm. I had quite terrifying dreams and visions at that time. And I left Tonga and went back to New Zealand where the understanding was that I had a mental health breakdown and that those were psychoses and hallucinations and I was very sick. And I more or less accepted that to be true, but it wasn't until much later that I learned about our family history and understood that I was seeing things that had happened in my family history. And in particular, there was a recurring, it's hard to say it was a dream because it was so real to me. I would be in Tonga, we live on Halatu'i, which is the same street as the king. And I would be taken to Malaiakula, which is the royal burial grounds, which is about 50 metres from our house. And I would have the experience of being burned and hung. And there would be like a jeering crowd. And it was very, very dangerous for me in in this situation. Just every single night I would be taken there and I'd be killed in different ways. And so from what the Western psychiatric system said to me, that was just all delusion. And I thought, well, I must have just been so scared and remembered things I'd watched on TV about witches being burned and stuff, because it was a terrifying experience. You've got animals appearing, shape-shifting, people speaking from under the floor. You've got um, loved ones around you morphing. You're seeing, you're in scenarios that are like you're in another time period. Anyway, I found out much later, quite aside from the many family dynamics that I was sort of privy to in this state, that once upon a time, there was a goddess and her name was Hikuleo. And she was the primary goddess of the Tuitonga. And Tonga revolved around her. The Tuitonga are just the earthly representatives of this divine female. And every harvest was dedicated to her. She was it. She was the eldest sister of Maui and Tangaroa. But when King George I converted to Christianity, which secured him his power, He killed his priestess from behind and with missionaries went around and hung and burned and beat actually all of the goddess sculptures. So you can go and see representations of Hikuleo at the Auckland Memorial Museum and they still have the nooses around their necks from that time. They're still beaten with their faces damaged and their arms chopped off. There was quite a tradition of missionaries taking these sculptures all around the world. In Tonga, there are only sculptures of female form. Even then, even though they're so obviously female, 
many Tongan academics try and say that Hikuleo was a male because they just can't fathom that it was a kind of goddess culture. It's just so counter to contemporary Tongan understandings. And when I found out about her, which was very late, like when I was maybe doing my PhD or my postdoc, I just got such a shock because I felt like in some strange dreaming way, I had been there when all of that was happening without any, any awareness of any of this history at all. Wow. And um, Carlo, how is the spiritual experience of Tongan women different from the experience of men? I don't know. Like there's a lot of silence around these sorts of experiences, partly because there's so much fear. It's not something that people openly talk about. I'm very unusual to be speaking openly about it, even in a like a Western context. I think for me, I went on to do my postdoctoral fellowship in social psychiatry at the Wellington School of Medicine and then went to Auckland Psychological Medicine and continued on. I'm very clear that educationally I have a considerable amount of power in that other word and I can speak to these experiences in ways that have dignity without being fearful of what anybody's going to say about me. I've been in Tangata Pacifica documentaries. I've been on podcasts. I just think actually the fact that we're so frightened to talk about this um, leads to more fear. There are so many Pacific people here that attempt suicide because they're so ashamed, so much family shame. And I just, I just refuse it. When I was in that terrifying position whereby here I was, this young woman in her early 20s, put into a psychiatric ward, told that I was going to be a mental health paraplegic for the rest of my life on an invalid's benefit. I mean, I went on to become a doctor to, I have a, um, you know, like an order of merit award. I have been around the world doing things. I'm an award-winning poet. I'm not frightened to speak about these things and I understand how important it is. It would have made a big difference for me if anyone had spoken out publicly when I was in that darkness and shame. Carlo Miller openly sharing her experiences there. And by doing this, she's taking away the shame and fear so many of us feel when we talk about our spiritual experiences. 